Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Tom and I are both really into food. We're essentially foodies. And we kind of treat our recipe development like that. You know, you eat around the world. Why can't you drink around the world, right? I'm Delia Colon, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and southern charm. The Zest celebrates cuisine and community in the Sunshine State. Today, meet two friends who went from working at a law firm to owning their own brewery. Tampa's historic Ybor City District is known for its nightlife, but just a few blocks away, you'll find a bar that's reminiscent of another time and place. Bastet Brewing pays homage to the beer culture of ancient Egypt, and that's the vibe you'll get when you step inside, from the mural on the wall down to the smallest details. Friends Houston Lett and Tom Ross opened Bastet in November 2020. Yeah, 2020. Despite the ups and downs of the pandemic, they've grown the business into one of Tampa's most buzzed-about watering holes. Bestet was even featured in the documentary One Pint at a Time about diversity in the craft beer industry. My colleague Alexandria Ebron and I recently visited Bestet for a tour. In this conversation, Houston and Tom explained the Egyptian roots of modern craft breweries and how their mutual love of cooking inspires the beers they create. Houston speaks first. We are by called chiller going. That's where these pink lines are coming. These are the things that actually keep the tanks cool. This is right here is the brew house. We have a five barrel brew house. I have enough space to do six barrel batches. Essentially, you can get 186 gallons of beer out of this system at one time. You familiar with the brewing process at all? Not at all. Okay, so this is a mash tun. And this is the boil kettle. So essentially we steep grain in hot water in this mash tun for an hour. That converts complex starches into simple sugars and makes a sticky liquid called wort. That's what brewers make. We make wort. A lot of brewers like to say they make beer, and that's not true. Yeast makes beer. Brewers make wort. Ah. So after an hour, it gets moved over to this boil kettle, and that's when you add your hops for balance and bittering. That gets boiled for an hour to add bitterness and also pasteurize the liquid to make sure it's sterile there's no bugs or any kind of bacteria in it after that it runs through this radiator looking thing hot work goes one way cold water goes another way and it scrubs the temperature from 212 degrees down to 70 degrees which is ideal pitching temps for most ales and then it's stall piped into one of these tanks and that's where your yeast is pitched and then depending on what style of beer you can get anywhere from two weeks to a month from grain to glass, you'll have a beer. So a glass of beer, a pint of beer that I would drink takes two weeks to a month? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work, <laughs> but it's a labor of love. And Tom and I have been doing this for a long time. We have capacity to make way more beer than we're doing right now. So we have room for growth. Okay, can you describe what this looks like? I feel like I'm on the Jetsons right now. Okay. <laughs> so it's a stainless steel vessel. It's, it's conical fermenter. It's conical because as fermentation happens, as yeast eats sugars and gets sluggish, they uh, eventually fall out of suspension and go down to this cone. 
that's the conical portion of it. So the bottom part of the drain, so the yeast and trube and stuff we don't need can go down the drain, and then clean beer can be pulled from this. Wow. Okay. So. Houston and I have been doing this for a long time, like you said. We met in 1999. Both of us were working at a law firm downtown in Tampa. He was in marketing. I was in IT. And after working together for a couple of years, we eventually discovered that we were both into beer. A couple of years later, we helped found a local homebrew club. We started doing homebrewing and got even more interested in beer. And around 2014, we decided that we were going to try to start a brewery of our own. Shortly after that, both of us started brewing at Cigar City. It was a great opportunity to learn the ropes in a mass production environment. So both of us brewed for Cigar City for a while. During that time, we were also pouring Bastet Brewing beer at some local festivals, getting our name out there and putting our beer in front of people. All this was very encouraging because we were getting a lot of good feedback on what we were pouring for people. It's kind of boutique up here. You've got the dog, you've got t-shirts for sale. Just paint a picture for me. Yeah, the idea for the tap room high level was wood and stone. We have an Egyptian theme here, but we wanted to stick to something that was the same as what you would find in ancient Egypt. Bastet was the ancient cat goddess, head of a cat, body of a woman. There is a mural on our west wall painted by Houston. We have 24 taps. We pour typically 22 beers, a soda, and a cider. We make cider here as well for people that aren't into beer. Although I challenge anyone to come in and say that they don't like beer. I bet I can find a beer that they will drink. I'm that person. I'll take that challenge. (laughs) Yeah, it's a comfortable tap room with about 85 seats in here. We occasionally host events for birthdays or anniversaries or things like that. We get a lot of people coming through that are beer tourists, you know, that come to the Bay Area because they know beer is big in Central Florida, especially Pinellas and Hillsborough counties. Fun. You guys also have books, board games, a dartboard, so you could really come and just hang out for a while. It feels like maybe more appropriate to sit at the bar. You want to meet me at the bar? Okay. about going from IT to this facility here on the edge of Ebor. You made it sound so easy. It was a long journey for sure. So my interest in beer started really early because I had an interest when I was much younger, even before drinking age, in chemistry and microbiology. And both are super important to beer. I bought my first copy of Charlie Papazian's The Joy of Homebrewing, which is a super popular book for people that would like to get into homebrewing. And I messed around with beer when I was young, making beer when I was young, but I didn't really get serious with it until Houston and I started doing the homebrewing stuff in about 2010. And yeah, it was really out of my love of chemistry and microbiology that I was into beer. My degree at USF, I've been in Tampa for quite a while, was in environmental engineering. Lots of chemistry and microbiology involved with that as well. And it just sort of led me down this path where I got 
a little tired with the IT stuff. And Houston and I were doing the home brewing. I was like, well, you know, um, if we're going to do this beer business, now's a good time. So we started down that path, and here we are. Wow. Now, Houston, how did you fall in love with beer? So before I was just an avid consumer, I just drank a lot of beer. The first time I was introduced to beer was at the same firm time and I worked at. As a side hustle, I used to bartend at the shareholders' parties. And uh, one of the parties, they had a Bitburger Pills. It was just uh, basic pills, but it was a German pills. It was not like any other of the macro stuff that I was drinking. It had way more flavor. It was just way more complex, and I was just blown away. It was, it was early for craft, so there wasn't a lot of American craft around. I tried Rogue Dead Guy. That was American craft. Then I started getting into that. And then my wife actually bought me a Mr. Beer kit. That's how I started making beer. So I did that and outgrew that kit really quickly, within months. And then started with kettles, and then fast forward to going to my garage and that's, about, that's around the time where Tom and I met and like you said we, we co-founded a homebrew club together essentially the sickness kind of took over <laughs> is that club still going no actually it's not but out of uh, those 10 guys in the club four of us went professional we're really proud of that wow yeah it's we're a very small club competing against way bigger clubs with 100 men clubs and it was only 10 of us but it was a lot of fun it, we called it the collective because we essentially learn from each other. We brew beer together, then we pour the beer when it gets ready at our brew days, critique each other's beer, tell each other's horror stories and nightmares of what worked, what didn't work. So we learned a lot in a short amount of time by just being transparent with each other and just learning from what each other did right and wrong. I love the pivot that you made from the corporate world to beer. People probably have a dream like that, but they're scared to do it. So Tom, what did your coworkers think when the two of you left? They totally knew it was going to happen (laughs) because at our time at the law firm, we started something that we called Beer 30 on Fridays. And every Friday at 4.30, we would invite everyone in the law firm. It was a big law firm, too. There were, what, 250 lawyers? Yeah, 400 employees total, something like that. 400 employees. You were, like, sitting pretty. Yeah. Yeah. So they would, we invited everybody in the law firm to come down to a room to taste some of the beer that we'd brought. And so pretty much everybody was not surprised when they found out that we were starting a beer business. And in fact, to this day, a lot of those lawyers and former co-workers of ours come in to Bastet Brewing for beer. Yep. Oh, I love that. So that was your test group, 400 people right there. Yeah, essentially, yeah. <laughs> now, Houston, to play devil's advocate, what's unique about Bastet? Because did Tampa really need another brewery? I don't know if they need another brewery, but they definitely needed a Bastet. What's different about us is we're super unique. We use local ingredient when we can. We've used stuff from like pomelos from Dade City, strawberries from Plant City, but we also use rare and unique ingredient. Uh, Tom and I are both really into food. We're really good cooks at home. Um, We're essentially foodies, and we treat our recipe development like that. You know, you eat around the world. Why can't you drink around the world, right? So we've put obscure stuff in beers, such as, like, saffron. And we have a really popular one here with ube yam, purple yam. We have Tom's brainchild, apache, which is very common in Mexico. We've done fermented lemonade called Sima from Finland. So we're inspired by a lot of things around the world and just culture in general. I think that's what kind of sets us apart. 
And we're also fans of the history of beer, which is why we have the Egyptian theme. And Tom can speak about that a little more. Yeah, so most people have no idea that the ancient Egyptians were the first large-scale beer brewing culture on Earth. Beer was super important to the ancient Egyptians. It was part of their daily routine. The young and the old, the rich and the poor, everybody drank beer. And it was very much about nutrition for them, but they also had a lot of parties that they poured beer at. Throughout the Egyptian mythology, there are stories related to beer. One of those stories has Bastet in it. The short version of the story is that Ra is the pharaoh in Egypt at the time, and he's getting older, and he feels like people don't respect him sufficiently anymore because of his age. So he sends his warrior goddess, Bastet, out to kill everybody. She's the cat woman? She is the cat woman, head of a cat, body of a woman. She goes out, she starts killing everyone, and the other gods point out to Ra that as soon as everybody's dead, nobody worships him. He says, oh yeah, I guess that was a bad idea. So he calls her back. But she's been out killing everybody. She's in this bloodlust, and she won't stop. So Ra takes 7,000 jugs of beer, and he pours pomegranate juice in it to turn it red, and he pours it out in front of her, and she thinks it's blood. So she drinks it, gets drunk, falls asleep, and stops killing everyone. So beer saved the world is the takeaway from that, <laughs> right? Support comes from Adelaide Interiors. Their design team can expertly manage every detail of your renovation and remodeling project from start to finish. From bathrooms to kitchens, appliances, cabinets, countertops, flooring, and coverings. More at Adelaide.com. Houston, you've got, you're repping the Bastet shirt with Bastet, the Catwoman, on it. You designed this. I did, yeah. What in the world? So what don't you do? I don't know. (laughs) Whatever I do, I try to do it well, so I don't know. Um, Accounting. 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 (laughs) Spreadsheets. Terrible at it. (laughs) No, man, but we try to keep it fresh, too. You saw a couple different designs. I think we had three designs. We had the, the graffiti one, the new one with the circles, and the classic. So we try to keep our our merch game up pretty regularly. Can you describe the one you're wearing? The one I'm wearing, it has the Sphinx on the front, and on the back, we always have something different. This one says, Alive, Sound, and Healthy, Tampa, Florida. Yep, and it has the onk on the back. And then, you know, we have one with the onk on the front, as the T in Bastet, and then pyramids in the back. So we try to put something different on the back of each one, but we also make sure we put Tampa, Florida. They're very catchy. They're all black and white. They're very eye-catching. And so were you a graphic designer in a previous life? I was. So that's what I was at the firm. I was a graphic designer. Backstory on the mural, it's comic book style. I, I did it that way because it encompasses both of us. Tom is really big in the comic books, and he's a, he's a huge collector. And I learned how to draw by drawing out of comic books, so that's why I did it comic book style. So I thought it was a perfect way to kind of incorporate both of us. But yeah, that's pretty much the extent of my drawing. There's one other thing I'd like to add in there, and that's the cat and Egyptian theme fit really well into one of the things that we wanted 
to, to do for this business, and that is to give somebody a little bit of culture and history of beer when they come in here. Again, people don't realize that beer was super important to the ancient Egyptians. A lot of people think beer originated in, in Europe in the modern age, but right now the history of beer goes back over 8,000 years ago. And we're both big fans of other cultures around the world. And people come in here all the time, and I get to tell them a little story about how beer affected ancient Egypt, and they're always learning something when they come here. I love that. Tell me about some trends in the beer world, what's, mm-hmm. what's coming, and then something that you're working on. You know, trends aren't something we follow very much, to tell you the truth. They're traditional styles of beer that we keep on tap here all the time, but Another thing that sets us apart that Houston alluded to earlier is the use of unusual ingredients, and that really is what sets us apart from a lot of the other breweries. Yes, we do a great Pilsner here, and yes, we do uh, an Imperial Stout like everybody else does, but we've got some beers on tap that are unique to us alone. There's nobody else around here that you're going to find that puts ube yam in a beer. I love that. You said you could find a beer for anyone. Can I hold your feet to the fire on that? Because I really, I'm not a huge beer drinker. What advice do you have for non-beer drinkers who want to be social? Yeah, so, you know, A lot of people have this perception of what beer tastes like, but really they've probably only been exposed to macro beers, right? Uh, Craft beer. What's a macro beer? Macro beer is, you know, the large brewers of the world. Uh, What did you say? The usual suspects, the big box stuff. Okay. And um, craft beer is a different animal. Uh, We're much like a small mom and pop restaurant. We're doing flavors and things that you're not going to find in mass-produced beers. Okay. I want to add to that also. We use very unique ingredient, and it's not just for the sake of throwing something weird in a beer. Like Everything we do is very intentional, and uh, our goal is to have a very balanced product in the end. Okay, before we maybe do a little taste test, can I ask you, as people start to think about maybe Thanksgiving or the other winter holidays... What beer would you recommend to pair with those types of food? Because we always think about food and wine pairings, but you could just as easily do a beer pairing. Tom, do you have any thoughts on that? Absolutely. The flavor profiles in beer are much wider than they are in wine. And we're very much into to food and beer pairings. We've done some events around town related to things like that, where the chefs that we've paired up with have used our beer in their cooking that they've done. There's always a beer for an occasion, whether it's a, a light pilsner with your seafood meal or a dark dessert-like imperial stout after you've finished your meal. Do you guys have any other closing thoughts or anything else you want us to know about Best Set before we try a couple? Sure, I do. People often come in and ask us, hey, what are you guys known for? And I used to cringe at that question. And Tom came up with a great answer to that question. And if you look at our tap room, our tap list, we specialize in variety. Like you said, we'll brew the straight-up styles. Like right now, we have a Pilsner on. We have a Belgian-style triple. We have a blonde. But we also have the out-of-the-box stuff. And we also have some sours up there. And so it, 
if you like beer and you come in here and you, you can't find anything, then I would be super surprised. Well, Alex, do you want to try these with me? Okay, this is Alex Ebron, whose name you always hear in the credits, our social media guru, taking some behind-the-scenes pictures, and we are going to do a little taste test. So we're, just gonna, we're not even going to shoot you some stuff. I'll just... Okay, all right, so here's, are you going to hang out, Tom? Or <laughs> Okay, they're behind the counter now. This is getting serious. It's 11 a.m. <laughs> it's 5 o'clock somewhere, that's right. So another thing is that Houston and I love beer, and we love to drink a lot of beer. So we try to keep our beers on the lower end of the alcohol percentage. So you can come in and have two pints without getting smashed. Okay, good, because i got to pick up my kids later. <laughs> what is this? It's like a pink... Pinkish yeah. orange color? That is pie of raw. It's a cherry pie inspired sour. Pie of raw. Oh my gosh, he's already pouring something else. Okay, here's another. Uh, oh, this is no joke. He's got the little flight. What do you call this thing? No, it's a flight board. Flight board. It's got the holes in it for the different glasses. All right, so this is pie of raw. Yes. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. That's good. Yeah. I like it already. I like this one. How do you describe the taste of this, Tom? Cherries were put in this sour beer. So you've got uh, a hint of cherry in there. And this is what we call a kettle sour beer. It's a little tart. So it's all about the tart cherries in the pie of raw. Mm, that's good. Okay. Second one is tater, tater pie. pie. And it's like a... Like a butterscotch color? Uh, Houston, yeah, what is it's, this? It's, I would say there's some amber hues in there. But it's sweet potato was put in the mash of the beer and then added later in secondary was vanilla, cinnamon, and nutmeg. So pretty much everything my mom put in her sweet potato pie I put in, in the beer. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It's, That's why it's called Joanne's Tater Pie. That's my mom. Joanne is your mom, Joanne? Joanne's Tater Thanks, Pie. Joanne. Thank you, Joanne. So this is basically... It's Thanksgiving dessert in a glass. Yes. All right, yes. let's do it. Tater pie. Cheers. One, two, cheers. Clink and clink. It smells like sweet mm-hmm. potato pie. I can it's smell the nutmeg. It's not as you think, though. It's, it's balanced. It's not super sweet. Mm. Wow. So this is where you two being good home cooks comes yeah. into play. Absolutely. Oh, that's good. Okay, third one. Ube. Oh, the ube one. No, ube doobie doo. How do, how do you pronounce it? Ube doobie doo. Yeah, yeah. Ube doobie doo. Okay. So this, okay, describe this, Alex. It's It's like a purple. Because ube is purple. Yes, that's right. Tom, what do we need to know about this one? Uh, This was Houston's brainchild. He came up with this recipe, and uh, I scratched my head until I tasted it. And I said, oh, yeah, that is fantastic. But we used a lemon juice, uh, Meyer lemon base for this beer. And the ube just turns it into this beautiful purple majestic beer that people just seem to gravitate towards. You'll get people sitting at the bar that will point down to the other end of the bar. What's that purple beer? Okay, purple beer. Let's do it. Yeah. Cheers. Mmm. So, yeah. 
the base is Meyer lemon, then ube yam, which is a little earthy, and Japanese yam, which when you peel it, it looks like regular white potatoes, but it's actually sweeter than sweet potatoes. And then vanilla to ground everything out and kind of balance the earthiness. Because I don't know if you ever had ube ice cream. They have it yes. at the Asian market. Yeah. There's vanilla in that as well. It's just ube by itself is earthy, and you need that to help with the balance. Okay. All right, last one. Van Gogh Mango. It's like a it's like a butterscotch flavor. This one looks like beer. This is actually the only one that looks like beer. So what do we need to know about this one, Tom? This one we started making from day one. This was one of our first kettle sours. Mango and vanilla. They just seem to go together, and this is a super popular beer for us. Okay. When you say like mango and ube, are you using the actual, you're starting with the actual plant, the actual vegetable or fruit? This year I had uh, one of our customers bring us, I don't know, 100, 150 pounds of mangoes. We use fresh local ingredient anytime we can. That's amazing. Okay. Vango, mango. What did y'all do with all 150 pounds? Make this? puree them and you put them into actual beer yeah okay that sounds like a lot obviously this is one flavor (laughs) you're like we won't be offering this flavor next year (laughs) well no (laughs) so that's one of the cool things about our size is we can do that bigger uh scale breweries they have to buy these big totes of uh purees we can actually break them down and, and and do it it's a lot of work but it's not as much work as it would be for like a 15 barrel system something huge like that so that gives us the the flexibility to work with okay all right last one mango mango cheers Cheers. Hmm. i like this one i like this one too Mm -hmm. i can taste a little bit of the mango definitely yeah so do we win the challenge. You won the challenge. I really liked all of them. Pie of Raw, the first one, was my favorite. Yes. So job well done. But Houston and Tom, thank you so much for your time. And Alex, thanks for being my partner in crime. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you, guys. Thanks, Delia. Thanks, Alex. Houston Lett and Tom Ross are the co-owners of Bastet Brewing in Tampa. I mentioned that Bastet was featured in the documentary One Pint at a Time about diversity in the craft beer industry. Another Zest guest, Letitia Cook of Beer Culture in St. Petersburg, is also highlighted in that documentary. Highly recommend. I'm Delia Colon. I produce The Zest with Andrew Lucas and Alexandria Ebron. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media. Copyright 2023. Part of the NPR Network.